All right, what is happening? What is going on? Welcome into Sports Betting Daily. Appreciate you joining us on a Wednesday. All right, let's get to it. We've got questions. You have questions. Hopefully, I've got some answers. I haven't been on Twitter in a while, and some of you have reached out. I'm going to be honest. I need to like hire a social media person or something. I deleted my Twitter off my phone. <laughs> I just... Twitter has gotten, I don't know whether it's just my perception or whether it is actually like this. I feel like it's getting more and more negative. You know, and I, I, I just hated starting my day, you know, where you open Twitter and it's just something negative. It's just something bad. And I hate that shit. Not that I try and like avoid reality, but it's like, I feel like a lot of this stuff is just created. They, they put it out there to rile people up, you know, and I'm, I'm choosing to stay away from that. So I got on, on the, the old laptop today, the old desktop, and I had a couple of people who reached out recently on Twitter. So I want to answer those questions. We've got three total ones. Let's start off with this question. Um, not going to read names or anything. Uh, tips for betting seven game series. Hey, Tyler, um, interested after watching the NHL and NBA playoffs, if you have any tips specifically for betting seven game series. I've talked about this a little bit before, but uh, let's narrow it down to a few main bullet points. I would say that most people struggle betting a seven game series because most people, we talked about this on yesterday's show, most people kind of overreact to one game or one narrative. And so they'll see one game and what happens is they'll overreact based on that game. Like look at the Nuggets in Miami, the Heat, right? Denver wins game one and everyone, even nationally, after getting no respect all year, Denver was like, yeah, they're going to win. They're going to sweep. They're the one seed. Miami's the eighth seed everywhere, whether it was Dan Patrick, ESPN, Fox Sports, Colin Coward, like all these people are like, yeah, well, okay, Miami's probably not as good as Denver. They probably met their match. And then game two happens and now everyone's on the other side. It's like, well, Miami stole game one. It's like, going back to Miami, look out there. Everyone, I personally, and I'm not trying to patronize anyone here, but I just see a bunch of dummies, you know, saying stupid shit on TV. It's never an extreme. It's never as much as you think it is. It's never, they're great, they're horrible. It's generally somewhere in the middle. So here's what happens in seven game series is people react like this. People overreact generally, the public betting, and they'll, they'll, think that the lines are wrong based on what happened, right? So the sports betting market is, is much smarter than the individual person. And the sports betting market collectively understands that one game doesn't really give us, you know, quote, the answer. This is why college football fans look so stupid every year, at least I think. You know, it's like you get really smart people who say the dumbest shit during college football because it's like, well, Georgia's, Georgia's beat Alabama. They must be better. Question answered. Answer solved. All right, let's move on. That's how college football and, frankly, NFL fans act. It's like, oh, they beat them. Okay, we solved our, we solved the question. Let's move on. That's not the truth. Can you imagine if they played a seven-game series? Remember a few years ago when Georgia and Alabama played in the SEC championship, and everyone thought that that uh, Alabama was going to be the better team, or excuse me, Georgia was going to be the better team, and they had the great defense and all this accolades, and 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 you know, oh, Georgia's just killing. Alabama had a couple losses, and then Alabama beats them in the SEC championship, and everyone just changes their mind, and then they meet again in the national championship, and Georgia wins. People are like dumbfounded. Like, how did that happen? Wait a minute. I don't, I don't understand. Alabama won the first game. How did Georgia win the second game? I just like, I, I know I, I said I don't want to patronize anyone. I feel like I'm surrounded by fucking morons all the time. And it does. It kind of angers me because, and I'm going to be honest, I am sort of referencing our, uh, another show I do called College Football Tailgate. And my co-host on that show, his name is Will Chambers. I think personally, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm being too hyperbolic here. I think he's like brilliant. I think he's very smart. I think he's so far above average. He's very smart. But some of the dumbest shit comes out of his mouth 
every year around December because he gets locked into these things where he thinks that one game is the answer. And it's like, oh, we saw one game, therefore I was either right or I was wrong. I'm, I'm, I was proven right or I was proven. That's not how it is. Okay, there are going to be crazy things that happen in any individual game. And if you overreact to, to one game or even a couple games, you're going to be the one paying the price. So my, uh, I didn't mean to get this worked out for one simple question. But my point here is you'll see that lines don't move a lot for a seven game series. If there's a blowout, the next game, it's going to be very close to what that line closed for the first game or the set or whatever the previous game was. So most people, if Denver closed minus eight the first game, and one dominated the heat and covered a lot of people for the second game were like, well, obviously Denver's the right play. It's the same line, same price. What's going to happen here? And Miami wins outright. Okay. So let's not overreact to one game. That would be my, my biggest piece of advice. Things are going to change. Listen to press conferences. Don't bet on what you saw last. That's my biggest piece of advice. And, um, yeah, that, that's it. I'm going to move on after that. Let's not keep getting worked up. And Will, if you're listening, I'm sorry for using you as an example, but I had to. All right, um, let's move on to this question. Uh, next one here. Move along, sir. Uh, Tyler, I love the show. Been listening for a long time. But how do you climb out of... <laughs> oh, God. But how do you climb out of holes like you're currently in? I seem to have a bad streak like this and never recover. I just put more money in and pretty much, quote, start over. Um, okay. We talked about this on, I forget whether it was Monday or Tuesday's show, but we talked about this and the idea of hot streaks and cold streaks. And this person's right. We have not done well lately. Last couple of weeks, I think we're like two and 11. Uh, we, we went nine and five, the first half of May, two and 11, the second half of May, 11 and 16 overall. But this, this person's right. I'm not doing well lately. Two and 11 last 13 picks. So here's my answer. It's all about longevity. If you put a magnifying glass up on any couple weeks for anything, you're either going to see some amazing results or some horrible results. You're generally not going to see five and four every nine games, you know, five and four, five and four, five and four. That's generally not how it's going to go. It's about patience. It's about truly getting value. And that's what it's all about, right? I mentioned this earlier in the week. We made 13 bets last couple weeks. We went two and 11. Okay. I believe strongly we had the edge in every single one of those games. Sometimes if you have the edge, that doesn't guarantee you're going to win. And sometimes you're going to have streaks go against you, even if you do have the edge. You know, look at, I guarantee I can get you hundreds of example of examples from a blackjack table, you know, just this last week in Vegas, losing two out of 13 hands. I guarantee it happens all the time. But when you take the magnifying glass away and you look at total numbers, everything seems to be okay. You know, we went two and 11 these last couple of weeks of May, but we're still 11 and 16 in May. We're still 83 and 69 for the year. We're still 284, 232 and 18 for the lifetime. So I understand it's not a good time right now. And it's not a good, hasn't been a good couple of weeks. But for me doing this for a living, it's not about quote, climbing out of holes like this, right? And, and I understand a lot of people, because he said again, to repeat the, the question, but how do you climb out of holes like you're currently in? I seem to have a bad streak like this and never recover. I just put more money in and pretty much, quote, start over. And that's what, you know, I think that a lot of people overreact when they start losing a lot of money. But also, I believe, and I'm not going to make assumptions about the types of bets you're making, but I would be willing to assume that most public bettors, and including this person who, who, who messaged me here, aren't making straight bets or single bets and then just, you know, letting it go. I'm sure there's a lot of parlays in there. I'm sure there's a lot of bad bets and you should expect to lose a lot of money for making those kind of bad bets. You know, the household for a single bet is like 5%. So you should expect to make to lose 5% over the course of however long you bet. You know, you're going to have good streaks, bad streaks, but that should be your expectation. 
okay? But what happens is a lot of people lose, they go 5%. I lost all my money in the last month, right? That's because people are making bad bets over and over. The household for a parlay, it's like triples. It's crazy. And a lot of people are making, you know, several leg parlays. So that's why. It's just the household's going up. There's these, you know, a lot of people lose it and don't recover because there's not a steady system or you're not making the the, the good bet every time. Like, like I said, we ended 2-11. and 11. I believe strongly we had the best of it every single bet we made. Sometimes you're going to have winning streaks. Sometimes you're going to have losing streaks. But I believe that's the key. You have to find bets where you believe you find the edge or you have the edge. That's what it's all about. So really, you know, it's not about climbing out of holes. It's not about correcting things. You're going to have good months. We're going to have bad months. Over the course of time, though, and we can pretty much guarantee we're going to win because the math says so, we say so, and math is undefeated. So, and look, I, I know there's a missing piece here. There's kind of a missing link with all this. It's like a lot of you say, okay, well, how do I use this math? Well, how do I, it's like, that's the hard part. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still in school to try and do better on that. And, you know, so, so I think that most people want the easy way to do this and don't want to work to truly have success sports betting. You know, um, I see a lot of people online searching for easy tips to, to, to bet sports, you know, better, you know, how can I win, you know, immediately there's a lot of people looking to win without looking to do the work. And, and personally, I think the work includes going to school, learning how to program computers. You know, <laughs> most people are like rolling their eyes right now. You know, I'm not going to do that. Well, then you're not going to win betting sports. I'm sorry, but that's how I see it. I think it's as open and shut as if you have a complex very, very highly advanced system, you've got a good chance to make some money if you if you know everything else we talk about. If not, you're just flipping coins, hoping for the best. But for me, that's that's how, how we do things. It's about longevity. I have the edge every bet I make. I don't worry about, I honestly don't care. I don't worry about a two and 11 streak. Who cares? We're, we're, we're fine. We have the best of every bet we make. Things will turn around. So that's how I look at it. It's not about climbing out of holes. It's just you keep going because we've got the best of it every bet we make. All right, one more uh, question here before we get out. Uh, Oh, this one's good. This one was pretty good. So this individual said, hey, Tyler, blah, 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 blah. Can you tell me if these tips for hedging are good? So they sent, they copied and pasted a, a piece of an article here. I'm trying to learn more about hedging and came across this. So it looks like this is from WSN. What is the, <laughs> what is WSN? Let's look up online here. The, uh, this is the World oh, World Sports Network. Of course it is. The WSN is your, I love that in South Park. We're the WGA, the World Canadian Bureau. Uh, WSN is your number one source for everything sports betting related. Of course, sir, every, everything today is your number one source. Hey, we're your number one source for this. Uh, from trusted sportsbook reviews and promo codes to the most in-depth betting guides and picks. Oh, of course they have picks. Okay, so that's who WSN is. Let's see what they sent me here. Sports betting strategies that work. Now that we've cut, so I'm reading this article here. So the the, the kind of headline for this portion of the article says sports betting strategies that work. And this is the WSN betting guide. Okay, so hedging your bets. There are opportunities in sports betting where a punter can make a bet that is opposite to his original bet. It might seem weird to bet against your original bet, but as you'll see, when it's done right, it can guarantee you a profit. I'm not going to judge until I read more of this, so let's keep an open mind here. Even though I already see something I don't love, it, they said when it's done right, it can guarantee you a profit. That's not really the the, the point of hedging. Hedging is to make sure you're in the best 
financial position. And sometimes that means losing money, but but cutting your losses. Sometimes that means maximizing your ROI or maximizing your profit, right? So hedging is, there's not like one specific definition or time you hedge. You, you hedge for a whole bunch of different reasons. So when they say here, when it's done right, it can guarantee you a profit. Yes, but that's only one small portion of it. So let's let's see how they continue here. Maybe, maybe they cover the bases. Uh, they have three bullet points. Uh, bullet point one says, Hedging usually applies to futures bets, where the odds on your bet can significant can change significantly in your favor as the season progresses, or in big parlays when you've won a large number of your bets, but still have one oh boy, but still have one or more wagers left to play. See, it's not my goal. A lot of you think that that when we do this stuff or when I react to articles, you think that like I'm on here to have a roast or I come on here specifically to call people out. You know what I would love to do? I have. Uh, thousand percent would love to, to pull up one of these articles and go, holy shit, this person's on. Oh my God, this is great. Everyone go here. Let's all learn. Let's all grow. Let's all become smarter based on this. Unfortunately, you're going to get a lot more nonsense like this than good advice. Now, again, I don't know these people at WSN. I literally just learned about them, but this is not a good piece of advice because... <laughs> Or in big parlays, when you've won a large number of your bets, but still have one or more wagers left to play. Folks, if you make a 10-team parlay, and after eight games you want to hedge, that's on you for being a, a moron and making those last two legs of a parlay. If you were good after eight games, don't be a dummy and make the final two legs. If you want to hedge, hedge, hedge. I see so many people do this. Let's quickly review what a parlay is. A parlay is just you giving the sports book the right to keep your money until the next bet. Some people, like my buddy, uh, who, who we we both use a collective independent bookie. So we share a bookie and they have a different kind of system, different website. And this bookie who we share have an option where you can have an open-ended parlay, right? So you pick one end of a parlay now and hey, you don't have to force the other bet. You can fill in that second leg of a parlay whenever you want to. And he will often do this. And I'm like, what? <laughs> that to me is such a low IQ move. It's like, why would you, all you're doing is letting them hold your money. Like that's it. So when you do a two team parlay, by the way, a parlay doesn't give you an extra incentive. A lot of people think you make a parlay and you get more money back. You don't. If you make a two team parlay, all it does is roll the winnings from the first bet into the second bet. So if you, if, if the bets are, you know, even money and you make a $10 bet to win 10, right? And then the second game is also even money. Well, what you would do if you want to make a parlay yourself is you bet 10 to win 10 the first game. And if it happens to win, then you put all 20, the original 10 you bet, the 10 you won on the second game. That's all a parlay is. <laughs> people, a parlay doesn't give you anything extra. So when people make a parlay, open-ended parlay, and you can make one now and then make the other whenever you want. And if you win that first leg, all you're doing is, is a sports book is now sitting there with your winnings. You, you made that bet and you won that bet, but now you're forced to make a bet with all of those, well, all, the, all that money on your next game. That's all a parlay is. It's the stupidest thing in the world. When you really break it down, nobody would make parlays if they understood really what was happening and they were interested in, in making money or at least not losing money. So when I see this article say, hedging usually applies to futures bets where, you, where the odds on your bet can change significantly in your favor as, as the season progresses or in big parlays when you've won a large number of your bets but still have one or more wagers left to play. This says to me, whoever wrote this article, 
has never bet profitably, doesn't know what it really means to bet profitably, and they kind of know some keywords and key phrases to put in there. This is backwards. This is wrong. If you're going to make a parlay, which I really don't recommend anyway, unless there's certain specific reasons like correlation or locking prices in, don't make it in the first place. But if you're going to be dumb enough to make an 18 parlay and you've won seven of the eight games, that's on you for, for putting yourself in a spot to where now all that money's at risk on one final game. So if you're in a spot where you're writing this article and you're saying you're in a big parlay with one or two left, I'm going to say unapologetically, you're a goddamn idiot if you're doing that. Why make the parlay in the first place? So uh, bullet point number one, they're losing me. Let's get on to bullet point number two. In both these examples, you can bet against your original wager and lock in a profit regardless of the final outcome. Okay, let's read the third bullet point before I go on that one. Uh, The third bullet point says, hedging lets you sacrifice a larger potential payout in exchange for a reduced risk and a guaranteed profit. By making your hedge bet larger or smaller, you can play around with how much risk and reward you want to take. Okay, so whoever, uh, let's see, individual who sent this in, um, this is bad advice. This is not good advice, okay? I don't see anything here. Now, I'll tell you good advice. We After I talk about this, we'll talk about when you want to hedge, okay? So let's save that. But right now, Let's talk about what they're trying to get across to the reader. So what they're saying is when you make a a futures bet and your odds change significantly as the season progresses, you can hedge. Or if you have big parlays and there's one or two games left in your parlay and it's a winner so far, you can hedge. And then it says in both these examples, the parlays where there's a large number one and only a couple left and the season long bet, the futures bet, where the odds have changed significantly in both these you can bet against your original wager and lock in a profit. So here's why I think this is this is bad. Let's say you make a $100 bet, okay? And let's say that you have your $100 bet to win 100 bucks, so it's like 110 to win 100. And you have a 75% chance to win the game. Would you rather guarantee like a $25 profit, right? You make a bet on each side, you guarantee $25 profit, and you walk away knowing, hey, it doesn't matter the outcome, I'm going to win 25 bucks. Okay, so that's that's the option to guarantee a profit. Or you let your original bet go, ride, you know, let it ride, and you just kind of go with the outcome. It's all about, it's not about guaranteeing profit. It's about maximizing your, your income. Now, sometimes guaranteeing a profit means maximizing your income. So sometimes this article is right, but this article makes it seem like guaranteeing a profit is the goal when it's not the goal. That's, that's an investment technique. It's a strategy, but it's not. Guaranteeing a profit is not nearly as, as rosy and sunny as, as it might seem. Because let's go to this example. If you made a bet, $100 bet, or at least to win 100 and you have a 75% chance to win, that's an easy c- conversion. That means your expected value is $75, right? You're going to win that $100 75% of the time, and you're going to lose that $110 25% of the time, right? So it's a it's a battle. Let's just work with me. Let's keep the numbers even here. About a $75 expected value. That's your current bet. So what happens is if you guarantee the, the profit, you're now guaranteeing a $20 bet when you had your expected value of $75. And yes, a guarantee of 20 is not better than an expected value of 25. It's simply not the case, right? 100% of 20 is not better than 75% of 100. That's just simple math. And so that's why it's not good to guarantee a profit. Is guaranteeing a profit, if you consistently, every position you're in, have the chance to guarantee a profit and do, what you're going to find is over the long run, you're actually going to lose more. Because what's going to happen is you're not always going to have an opportunity. Remember, we're talking about a case, a unique case, where you have a bet and you can bet on the other team to lock in a profit. That 
that seldom happens. That rarely happens. So if you do that every time it does happen, what will happen is every time you have a chance to win money, you're going to reduce greatly by 50 to 70% how much you can actually make back. And you're losing bets, you're not going to have a chance to get on the other side. It's just going to be a losing bet. So you're going to actually lose substantially more money by trying to lock in a profit when you come across a situation. So I would say this actually is losing advice. This WSN is telling you that if you lock in a profit and make that your goal, that's what you should do. I'm telling you that mathematically, you will lose more money trying to lock in profits whenever that presents, whenever the opportunity presents itself to you. So this advice is not good. I would say this is losing advice so far. It's actually backwards, right? We don't want to ever do these things. We don't ever want to have the goal be to lock in a profit. Now, that's what losers do, right? The loser wants to be at dinner with their friends and say, hey, I guarantee, no matter what happens, if team A wins or team B wins, I just won 25 bucks or 250 or whatever it might be, a thousand, right? Guaranteeing profit though is going to greatly limit your ability. Now, as I said earlier in the show, that doesn't mean we never want to do this. There are plenty of examples where we want to guarantee profit. There's plenty of examples where we want to hedge, but to make it the goal is crazy. It is is absolutely crazy. So, Let's talk about when you should hedge. Oh, actually, now I want to rewind real quick because this goes on a little bit. I love, <laughs> oh my God. Okay, WSN, you are, I just learned about you, but I am not impressed. This is so funny. So let's, let's look at an example they use, okay, for this uh, futures bet scenario. So they go, let's take a closer look at how hedge betting works and use a famous example in the 2011 season. Okay, so here's their example. At a Las Vegas sports book, a St. Louis fan made a $250 bet on the Cardinals to win the World Series. Now, at the time, the Cardinals were five games out of the playoffs with 15 games to play. The odds were actually against them to even make the playoffs, okay? So they had a big hill to climb to make the playoffs, even bigger to get to the World Series, much less win it. So the odds were 1,000 to 1. Now, here's my first piece of this news or this information or this uh, recommendation or whatever you want to call this article. Now in 2023, it's not a coincidence they had to go back to 2011 to find an example, right? Uh, We now live uh, more than a decade past this. And the reason they had to go back this far is because the market has gotten so much sharper. I guarantee it that you're not going to find this bet in 2023 for a team in this situation. So that's the first thing is this is never going to happen today, but let's go along this very unrealistic timeline they're providing or, you know, situation they're providing us and play it out. So WSN goes on to say, let's say a closer look, blah, 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 from the 2011 season at a Las Vegas sports book, a St. Louis fan. Uh, okay, we talked about that. So he put 250 on the Cardinals to win the World Series. So that $250 would win him $250,000. That is a big bet, right? 1,000 to 1, 250 to win 250,000. I'm going to read this article now. Quote, as luck would have it, his prognostications came true, and the Cardinals not only made the playoffs, but won the National League Championship Series, uh, won the National League Championship Series, and a trip to the World Series to play the Texas Rangers. The gambler was now looking at a potentially a potentially massive payday, right? Two hundred fifty thousand on a two hundred dollar bet. The gambler was now looking at a potentially massive payday. But what if the Cardinals lost the World Series? He would get exactly zero. This is the perfect opportunity to hedge. By betting the opposite to the original wager, he can now lock in a profit. Let's see how. So actually, this is an opportunity where I would say, yeah, locking in a profit should be the goal. This should be in this situation. You bet 250 to win 250,000. You probably want to see something from that opportunity, right? It's the opportunity. But this article, I don't, I don't disagree with that. That's a good piece of advice. But it's hysterical where this article goes now. Okay, they go. Let's see how. 
Let's assume that getting back to the article, let's assume for this example that a bet on the Texas Rangers to win the World Series paid one to one. This is my favorite uh, uh, sentence in the whole thing. If the gambler was able to raise $125,000 and bet it on the Rangers, he would guarantee himself a $125,000 profit, regardless who ends up winning. I love how they just throw that in, right? So this person who bet 250 on the Cardinals to win the World Series suddenly is going to be able to come up with $125,000? And my other question is, if you are the type of individual who can just come up with a, you know, $125,000, an eighth of a million, wouldn't you just kind of let this ride and say, yeah, it's 250 If I win, that's great. If not, you know? So in this example they're giving, it's just so unrealistic. You know, in 2023, first of all, you're never going to get, with 15 games to go, a team as good as the Cardinals were in 2011 at 1,000 to 1, right? <laughs> that's 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 asinine. So even the, the example they get, they're giving, I'm rolling my eyes at because in 2023, this is never going to happen. But let's say it did. Let's just pretend it did. So their advice to you is that as a $250 better to win 250 grand, raise uh, 125,000, find a way to get 125,000 and then bet that on the Rangers. Like these things all hypothetically sound okay. You know, if you're just a, a, a dummy writing this for WSN and you're like, oh, well, it sounds good. Yeah, it makes sense. I get it, right? But if you're truly giving advice, if this person's giving advice to like his wife or or if she's giving advice to her husband or whoever it is, right? They wouldn't, if they knew what they're talking about, they would never say this to someone they love with their money. If it was their money, well, look, if you could find $125,000, that's great. But this is just, none of this is real. None of this, none of this is real. None of this makes any sense for the person who would be going to this website to get help. It's like, this isn't doing anyone any good. If their advice is to go come up with an eighth of a million dollars and then just put that on the Rangers, hey, the easy is that. Now you have guaranteed a profit. This is all bad info, bad information, bad advice. And like I said earlier, I, it's not my goal to, to make anyone look bad on here, but there's a lot more bad, misleading info out there than there is good, positive, winning information out there. And it, it, it's, it's unfortunate because I always say ESPN, their goal is not to make us better sports betters. Their goal is not to provide good, actionable, you know, profitable content. That's fine. Their goal is to you know, have ratings, keep, get people to watch and get those advertising dollars. I get it. But it apparently seems to be the goal of certain places like WSN to, to put good advice out there. I mean, what did I say earlier? They, they say they're the number one source for everything sports betting related, from trusted sports betting review, from sportsbook reviews and promo codes, to the most in-depth betting guides and picks from our expert analysts. What expert analyst is telling you this stuff? What expert analyst is writing down that if you've got an, a 10-team parlay and you're 9-0, oh, look to hedge off? Like... This is just bad stuff. This is the stuff you get on Twitter. You know, this is the bad, bad advice that people who kind of know a little bit about something, that's what it sounds like. You know, when you talk to an expert in anything, what you listening right now, right? I'm sure a lot of you out there, well, I'm sure a lot of you are younger and haven't had a career, but for those who do have a career, right? And you are an expert at something. Think about what it's like to hear someone talk who's not an expert, but you know, you can tell immediately. You can tell immediately whether you're like a surgeon or whether you're a sports better, or whether you're a chef or whether you're a teacher or, or you're a, a, an archaeologist. I don't care what it is. Or, or if you're a, a, a dentist or if you're just like work at, at McDonald's, okay? And but nothing wrong with that, by the way. If you work at McDonald's and someone who doesn't starts talking about, well, here's what it's got to be like for the person behind the cash register, you are quickly going to be like, no, that's not how it is. That's not how it is. If you're an expert in your field, it doesn't take long at all to sniff out the bullshit. 
and that's what happened here. This is bad advice. It's not good. And that's my that's my opinion for this uh, WSN. How, uh, excuse me, sports betting strategies that work. Mm, hedging your bets. Yeah, don't follow that advice. So let's talk about when you should hedge. Let's get back and kind of bring this back around. Let's make it a positive ending. Okay, let's give out some good advice here. When should you hedge? I believe, and this would be my advice to anyone who wants to make more money, when two things are happening collectively, you want to look to hedge. So both of these things have to be happening at the same time in order for you to want to hedge. Number one, you have the worst of it with your current bet. So whatever bet you currently made, it's not going your way, not going your direction, and it's you have the worst of it. And number two, the price listed on the opposite team provides value. Okay, And the reason why you need both these, let's say number one is true, is you have the worst of it, didn't make a great bet, but the other team, you know, priced, uh, uh, the other team who you're going against isn't priced well, well, now what you're doing, if you quote unquote hedge, you're just making another bad bet. So now you have two bad bets instead of one bad bet. Is one going to win, one going to lose? Yes, but it's not a good bet because the number wasn't correct. So it's all about what's the current, we've talked about this before. Betting really at its essence is pretty simple. It comes down to this. What should the price be? What is the price? It's the same thing when you're betting live. That doesn't change. The fundamental principle of betting doesn't change. So whether it's pregame or live, you still want to answer that question. You don't just want to say, oh, I can guarantee profit. That's great. So the first one, is I said, if you have the worst of it with your current bet. Now, here's the thing. If you have the best of it, and this is my advice to all of you, you know, public sports bettors out there, you don't want to throw that away to guarantee some profit. That's what I said earlier. That's what losers do, right? Because losers generally have a low self-esteem and they want any opportunity to say, I want, I want, I want, right? So they're going to guarantee a $25 win even if they could have won $100 on that game they bet. And to, to go to my math earlier, if you have a 75% chance of winning $100, and you hedge just to guarantee a profit, you're losing a lot more money in your potential earnings, both in the long run and short run, and you're going to lose a lot more if you try and guarantee your profits. So even if you have the best, so when you have the best of it, you don't want to guarantee a profit. You want to let it ride, let it go. If you happen to lose, fine. But generally, if you have a 75% chance of bet to win a bet that you bet at minus 110, that's a very good position to be in. You want to stick with that, right? You made a good bet. You have the best of it. What's wrong with that? Right, So that's my point is, is for the people who I'm talking to, which are the people asking these questions, if you're a public sports better, you made a $110 bet to win 100, you have a 75% chance to win. That's a great bet. Just let that bet go. You don't want to squeeze your chance of making 100 to guarantee 20 bucks or 25 bucks. And here's the other thing. I would say to you, if you're so concerned and so worried about guaranteeing a $20 profit, you probably shouldn't be betting $100 in the first place. You see what I'm saying here? It's like, why have a bet for $100 to where if that 20, making that 20 is so important for you and your ego and your 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 self-esteem, like, or, or your maybe just your bank account? It's like, why the $100 bet in the first place? You know, same thing with the parlay. If you're going to make a 10-team parlay and hedge out after eight or nine games, why make the 10-team parlay in the first place? It's just, none of this really makes sense when you actually talk your way through these things. So when you want to guarantee profit, guarantee 20, that's not the way to hedge. You want to hedge when two things congruently happen. One, you have the worst of it with your, you have the worst of it with your current bet, what you made pregame. And two, the price on the other team provides value. It's never advised. It's never a good thing to chase a bad bet with another bad bet. Even if that second bad bet means you're going to win on the other team, 
that's losing money. That's losing, right? That, that, that's not a good mentality. And all this goes back to human beings just not being very good with probability, statistics, these kind of these kind of things. Because I understand it. I get it. It feels good to win money. It feels bad to lose money. But you don't want to throw away potential earnings for a guaranteed profit, quote unquote. You don't want that to be your goal. Because actually, in the long run, you will lose a lot more if you do that. So... All right, that does it for today's show. Appreciate everyone listening. Good luck, whatever you have going on today or tonight. Hope you catch some winners. We'll talk to you tomorrow right here on Sports Betting Daily.